0: Hi, and welcome to The Backlot. I'm Tova Leiter, moderator and director of the New York Film Academy Guest Lecture Series. In this episode, we will take an in-depth look at one of my great guests and hear about his experience in the entertainment industry. And now, Eric Conner will take you through the highlights of this Q&A.
1: Hi, I'm Eric Conner, senior instructor at New York Film Academy, and this time around, we hear from a performer who went from Saturday Night Live to a slew of Judd Apatow comedies, voiced my son's favorite character in Inside Out before emerging as a quadruple threat as writer, director, producer, and star of HBO's Barry, the hysterical Bill Hader.
2: Would be so funny if Keith Morrison was in Game of Thrones and he was Jon Snow.
0: Hey, I'm
1: dead,
2: but I'm back.
1: <laughs>
2: Battle of Winterfell. New York's hottest club is goosh. Hottest yeah. club is jelly balls. New York's hottest <laughs> club is I, I sure am glad you told me earthquakes are a myth, Joy. Otherwise, I'd be terrified right now. So it's just McLovin? It's badass. It is badass. You want to know what I'm good at? I'm good at killing people. It is
1: going to be so
2: awesome. McLovin in the <laughs> house!
1: He forecasted that it would be cloudy with a chance of meatballs arrested McLovin to help his street cred in Superbad, and got dating advice from LeBron James and Trainwreck. Bill Hader also spent time behind the camera, writing for South Park, Documentary Now, before creating Barry. But before all that, he was a student here at NYFA, even if he doesn't know what NYFA means.
0: So how did you start in the business?
2: Um,
1: and, and
0: at what point did uh, NYFA enter into it?
2: That what? The New York Times. Oh, like oh, holiday. oh! That, what do you guys call it?
0: NYFA. <laughs>
2: they did not call it that in 1996 when I went here. guys. It was NYFA. Um, NYFA. That sounds like something that they're selling at late at night, like the NYFA. <laughs> no, I, I NYFA. I'm sorry. I just don't like. To, I'm sorry, I'm just getting used to this NYFA thing. I'll start calling it NYFA at some point, but just let me have my moment of being an old man. I'm gonna call some friends of mine, and like, they call it NYFA now. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean they call it NYFA? day, it was NYFA.
1: He's welcome to call our school whatever he wants. For a kid from the middle of the country, a summer here at New York Film Academy was an opportunity to follow his passion. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma.
2: And I loved movies and when I was growing up, I was a movie fanatic and gonna sound like an old guy, but you know, you didn't have the internet, you had none of these, uh, you know, to watch a movie, you had to really hunt it down. It was awful. <laughs> and you know, it was terrible. But in the back of Premiere Magazine, there was a thing for NYFA New York Film Academy. And I went, whoa, and I had terrible grades. And uh, I couldn't get to New York, NYU. There was no way. But it was my junior year of high school, and I was like, I went to my parents and said, I'd like to go to this. And they said, okay, sure, you know, if that's what you want to do this summer. I mean, they saw that I was making short films and stuff on my own. And I was writing scripts. They saw that I wasn't, like, just doing drugs and drinking. (laughs) They were like, oh, okay, he's applying himself to things that he cares about. If he cares about it, he'll apply himself. But if, you know... So I went and I couldn't get into the one in New York, and they didn't have one in Los Angeles at the time. So I ended up going to the one on the Princeton campus, and we made so I don't know if you guys, we made four, four short films on Arias, uh, and we cut on flatbed. No, you guys do video, right? You done Aries, You guys done sixteen millimeter? Uh, see, that is rad. That's awesome to hear. That makes me really happy because I mean Barry's shot on video. I mean that's basically that's not film, but. I loved shooting on film, I thought it was so much fun. And so yeah, we made like these films and then it was the first time I made this thing and then I remember making one of the shorts and the teacher was like, this is really good and everyone laughed during it and they thought it was good and someone was like, how'd you shoot that? And I was like, oh, this is good. You know, it gave me a lot of confidence. (laughs) And so I came back with these four short films, you know, and I was going to go my senior year of high school, and I thought, I'm going to get into a good film school, and it turns out you have to have a really good SAT score. (laughs) And you have to have really good grades, and I had neither of those things, but I had these short films. And for some reason, I ended up moving to Scottsdale, Arizona. I can't explain to you. I literally just, like, was a little lost. And then I went to a school there for a little bit, and then I just moved here. I was a PA on this lot back in 2000. I was uh, on a movie called Collateral Damage. So I was a yeah, PA for a long time. And I was a post-production PA. I worked in post, photocam, And I remember falling asleep in my car in front of photocam. <laughs> Here's a crazy story. Fell asleep in my car in front of photocam, right? And because I was waiting for this stuff to come out. And I was with my friend. And it was a film that we had made. And my friend's like, dude, get up. And I go, what? <laughs> and he's like. David Lynch is outside <laughs> and I like look up and there's David Lynch smoking a cigarette and I was like and then he goes I have a fucking Twin Peaks t-shirt on <laughs> and I was like turn that shit inside out dude that's so embarrassing <laughs> and then we were like we just stared at him we got out of the car and just stared at him and he was like hey and then we were like right cool right on <laughs> And then my friend was way more savvy than i i just like stared at him and he was like what are you doing he goes i'm working on this movie about a guy who drives a tractor across country and straight story but it's a beautiful movie and so uh that that was like my first celebrity sighting and i was like oh
1: my god she's everywhere you go there's just like amazing directors (laughs) just, just hanging out yeah even if you don't get to see david lynch every day Los Angeles is most definitely a place where dreams can be realized. Bill Hader initially focused more on work behind the camera, but his talent as a comedic performer cannot be contained, eventually catching the eye of SNL's Lauren Michaels. I just was into film. I mean, it was just, I was into
2: movies. Like, when I watched a movie, I got really drawn in by the story the cinematography the look of it the feel of it you know the score the production design and the actors i love the actors but it was like the whole package and I, I was very uncomfortable being in front of people and being in front of a camera made me a bit so it was, it was more writing and directing but i had this thing of doing impressions and i do impressions like friends and stuff and then uh so I, I moved to LA and I was doing all those jobs, but I wasn't doing anything creative, which can happen very easily here, where you're just trying to make right. a living. You're just trying to make money and you're not doing anything creative. And you're like, why did I move here? I'm not making stuff. So I started taking improv classes just because a friend of mine, not a Groundlings, f- groundlings, no, I'm joking. <laughs> 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 no, I'm sorry, no, it's not Groundlings, but the Groundlings are rad. I couldn't get into Groundlings. But I took a class at Second City LA and I did a show and I was in the with Megan Mullally's brother-in-law and she saw me in the show and said you're really funny and then I was working as an assistant editor on Iron Chef America I was digitizing footage (laughs) and um, she called me and said hey this is Megan she said I just had dinner with Lauren Michaels and I told him about you and they'd love to meet you and I had no manager no agent Know anything, and I just was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so I met Lauren Michaels and I auditioned like for a year. I auditioned like four or five times for really? the show. Yeah, they would come see me in LA. They just wanted to keep seeing if, because I was green, like super green as far as performing yeah. on stage. But I think they like that because then they can kind of mold it instead of someone coming in with a lot of preconceived things, I think maybe. But they also just, it was during the season, and they weren't going to bring me in midseason, season I think. And Jason Sudeikis had already been hired, and so they were like, well, do we want both these guys? Are they kind of the same type or yeah. whatever? And I got really lucky. I came in with Jason, uh,
1: Andy Sandberg and Chris Wigg, and I was really lucky. Bill Hader had an amazing run on SNL. From Stefan to Vincent Price to his recent turn as the Mooch, Anthony Scaramucci. Yo! It's me, Anthony Scaramucci, the Bunch. I heard my name
2: earlier, and when I hear my name three times, I appear like a Goomba
1: Beetlejuice. One of the keys to performing comedy is to not go for the comedy. You don't play the joke, you play the reality. Though Mr. Hater's the first to admit that could be really hard. You should never
2: go for comedy in a scene. You just shouldn't. I did it, I do it a lot on SNL because, and if I'm doing it, it's because I am insecure. Mm-hmm. I really am. I mean, it's just, you just get insecure, so you go, wah, 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 you know, and it gets a laugh, and you're like... <laughs> but the better thing is to do it straight, you know? You're right, and don't and find the truth of it. A good example of that, I will say, is actually a scene in Trainwreck when I played basketball with LeBron James. Use protection, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's got little bowls of condoms all around her apartment. Condoms? Yeah. I'm
1: not talking about condoms. I'm talking about, like, protection, like a lawyer, oh, like yeah. a non-disclosure agreement, yeah. you know? Ooh. No penetration without representation. Listen, I'll tell you one thing. You don't want to have a baby mama. Yeah. You know, Next thing you know, you're paying for a Ferrari. Yeah. You're getting her a big house, a big mansion. She's going to want to start a jumpsuit line, and you're going to have to pay for it. You want to go through that? You can turn on the TV any given Sunday, win the Super Bowl, and drive off in a Hyundai. She was supposed to get the shorty Tycho with your money. Then she went to the doctor, got lipo with your money. What are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? It's Kanye. You're quoting
2: Kanye West to me? I think initially conceived it was like a funny scene of like, woo, 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 you know. And then we were talking about it and it was like, wouldn't it be funny if it's just like you never mention it? And it's just two guys talking, a scene you've seen, and it's really about him wanting to talk about... Amy, and what should I, you know? Confiding in a friend, what should I do about this girl I like? And he's just shooting hoops with his friend, and then just make it that it's LeBron James, and he's not holding back. <laughs> <laughs> but don't call it out, don't draw any attention to it. And it was, I thought, a thousand times funnier because it's just like it's never brought. I I'm never like, hey man, come on. <laughs> then it's like all the air just goes out of it. You just want to make it simple, and trust that people are smart enough to understand what you're going for and simplicity's key to that stay with the story mm-hmm. and stay with what's happening
1: to the emotions of the story and not like airball <laughs> you know <laughs> what makes that scene even more surprising is bill hater is actually playing the straight man to lebron and just like the future hall of famer mr hater needed a fair amount of training and perseverance to make it in this business along the way he even crossed paths with a couple of his future co-stars, as they also paid their own dues. Oh, man, it was hard, and
2: it happens all the time. And it, to be honest, it still can happen. I mean, it was, you know, like I was saying earlier, you could still get really discouraged. Um, the thing you have to try to do is, again, that thing I was saying earlier, just like, oh, I can control the work, I can control this, I can control making this thing. And everyone might hate it and all this, but I can't really worry about that. You know what I mean? Like, we make Barry, and like I still have friends like, oh, man, AV Club hated the episode last night. And I'm like, I can't. What am I going to do about that? You know? Or SNL. Jesus, you would have people come up to you on the street and just be like, you and your show f- suck. <laughs> New, York. New York. Cab driver fully did that to me. He like, you and your show suck. I think, what am I supposed to do about that? But, you know, there's a thing I read once that helped me is that um, persistence plus talent equals luck. And that's a good thing of, like, if I'm persistent and you're talented, you'll get lucky. I have a friend, she was my nanny forever, and she was a hardworking actress, and she was her nanny and just could not catch a break, and she was doing all this work. And I thought she was really funny, but... It just wasn't happening for her, and now she's, it's Darcy Carden, she's on The Good Place, and she's Janet on The Good Place, and she's on Barry, and that was my nanny. (laughs) So Darcy was sitting here like you guys, going, fuck, I can't, you know? I remember going to a show with my manager back in 2005. I got a manager, because I got a meeting with Lauren Michaels, I got a manager off that. So it was like, I came back to LA, and people were like, wait, who are you? How'd you get a meeting with Lauren Michaels? So I went to my manager's house to meet her, and she was super nice. And she's like, oh, we're waiting on the, again, the nanny. The nanny shows up. I meet the nanny. Hi, nice to meet you. The nanny, i watching the kids. Nanny's and She's like, oh, she's, you know, this actress. We're trying to figure it out. It was Kristen Wiig.
0: Oh, my God.
2: She was my manager's nanny when I, that's how I met her. I was like, hey, how are you? And she was waitressing earlier, and she was, you know what I mean? Everyone has that. Like, people who don't have that, I'm like, off. You don't have, you haven't lived life. Do you know what I mean? Like, you need to get, to give your art something. You know what I mean? It's like, it has to have something, you know? So just keep at it as much as you can. And that persistence talent equals look, I would say that to myself. I'm like, I just have to be really persistent
1: and something will happen. And it takes a long time, but it will happen. Mr. Hader kept working after SNL to the tune of over a hundred productions, give or take. But he still had the dream of making his own material. He wrote for Documentary Now, South Park, and most recently co created The Remarkable Barry with Alec Berg. These people I take out, they're
2: bad people. The money's good. It's a job. Yep. Hey, ma'am.
0: Are you seeing this beautiful morning? What are you doing? How are you?
2: What am I doing? I'm set up here like you asked me to. Oh, right. Duh. <laughs> I co-created with this guy Alec Berg. Um, Alec started as a Seinfeld writer and now then he did uh, Kirby Enthusiasm and then he does Silicon Valley and so he and I, our agent, put us together and we sat and we talked about one idea that wasn't very good for about, and that happens. You talk about, it's never uh, easy, right? So we sat and we talked about this one idea for about a month and a half and we wrote out tons of notes and worked really hard on it. And then one day, I came in and just went, oh, "Is this working?" And he went, "No, no, I'm glad. No, it's not working." <laughs> and I said, "Well, what isn't not working about this idea, you know?" And you sit and you kind of talk about it and I go, well, "It's kind of slice slice of life type of thing." And those are great, but I was seeing a lot of those on, on television. I was like, "I'd love to do something that has like stakes, you know, something like that, you know, it's real." What are the most stakes? He's like, life and death. And I was like, Yeah, yeah. I was like, what's a life and death type story? And then uh, I said, What if I was a hitman? And he said, Uh <laughs> and he goes, I don't like hitman. I don't he said there's more hitmen in movies and television than there are in real life, you know? It's like dog catcher, you know right. what I mean? It's like that doesn't it's not a thing. And uh, he goes, I hate Hitman, you know, the skinny ties, the two guns, the yeah. cool I go, no, no, it'd be me. <laughs> he went, oh, I go, me be me, like me not doing a character, like just right. me, like very non-threatening, you know. <laughs> so we, he went, oh, that could be interesting. And then very quickly, we thought he should be taking an acting class. I don't know why. I don't know how. <laughs> we still have no idea how that came up. The, the, the ideas, sometimes they happen like that, you know. So we said, oh, he should take an acting
1: class. And then we started seeing interesting parallels an assassin played by SNL's Stefan. Yeah, well, the first time I saw the trailer, I was fascinated and more than a little confused. But as any fan of the show can tell you, the unexpected is what makes it so compelling. As Bill Hader explained, this unusual formula took time and work to find the right balance. Well, the character Barry, it it was interesting because initially we were
2: talking about earlier where we came up with it, the character initially, all the characters were a bit arch it was a bit over the top and hbo actually was great and they said yeah the the hitman guy the way you're writing him like is that how what they do like how do you what research? Like, the acting world feels very well researched but the hitman world feels like it's more about movies and about things that you've seen it's not rooted in anything real Mm -hmm. and that was a really good note because it's true yeah a lot of movies and stuff you watch now are just about movies essentially you know and the real stuff is it comes from your life and basically what they were saying was like make it more personal and so he's a what if he was a marine and suddenly the whole show just got grounded into something much more interesting when we decided that he wasn't john wick that he was a marine and it was like a guy kind of hating himself for you know doing something for the service of the country and now he's taking that and he's doing something wrong and so for the character that's what helped it but so much stuff you know you talk about other movies and i remember coming up and just being super inspired by movies and i still am i mean i'll watch something and get so jazzed by it and get inspired to make stuff but it's important as i'm getting older to learn that the real stuff is from your life and stuff that you felt now it doesn't have to mean that Like, I've never killed anybody, as far as you guys know, but it's, like, those emotions of feeling, like, lonely or misunderstood or out of place or wanting to belong
1: or these things, I have felt that. And you go, okay, let's put it in this guy. Well, hopefully Bill Hader doesn't have too many similarities to his killer alter ego. One of the things that makes Barry such a riveting character is his duality. His private day job of, you know, killing people versus his more extroverted dreams of performing.
2: So this is a great, interesting conflict for this guy. He's trying to be a hitman. His life is in the shadows. But to be an actor, you have to be in the spotlight, right? And then to be a hitman, you got to be anonymous and unknown. But as an actor, you want to be known.
0: Acting is a, a very face-forward type of job. It's a direct conflict between someone who anonymously kills people.
2: These are professional actors and they're the real deal and they say I got something.
0: No, I get, I get it. I get it. But I think you got to think this thing through. I mean, you want to
1: you go out there and try to burn a guy and have him say, Hey, there's the guy from the chicken commercial. I don't know if I do commercials.
2: As a hitman, you have to repress your emotions to murder people. And in acting, you have to constantly, you know, use your emotions. So I don't know. Yeah. So that's we go. Oh, that, that could be good. And then Went from there. But it's good because you tell people about it, and this is a good lesson. Everyone we told about it, they went, Yeah, yeah, okay, I know. Yeah, you, you, as a hitman who wants to be an actor, okay, I know what that is. And everyone has a picture in their mind what your idea is, but it's your idea, and I might do it differently. And it was very satisfying when people would watch the pilot and go, oh, this is not at all what I was expect. I thought it was going to be <laughs> real goofy and kind of glib. And I was like, no, 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 I, we can't be glib about the violence. We can't. It's an emotional story about this guy dealing with guilt and hoping for redemption and all this stuff. So that was a good lesson for me, too, of just going like, no, 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 I, I know what this is. Just trust me. Right. It's going to be good because people
1: will constantly tell you that you're doing it wrong. One thing Bill Hader has been doing very right is his performance in the title role, which netted him an Emmy as Best Actor in a Comedy, as well as nominations that same year for writing, directing, and producing. The character is beyond layered, at times quiet and meek, and other times a rattlesnake ready to bite. Playing that role would be enough work for most actors, but Mr. Hader pulls it off while juggling all his other jobs on the show. Because you're writing and directing,
2: doing all these other things in my head was someplace else, and then I forget almost that I'm in wardrobe and I'm acting on the show where they're like, all right, Bill, you gotta go, you know? And you're like, wait, what? But I think the best stuff kind of comes from just using your instincts, you know? And like, you think about it, like, you know your lines the best you can. I sometimes don't know my lines and I'm always like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. But like, you know the scene in the parking lot when I talk to him? It's a job, you know, right? the money's good, and uh, these people I take out, like, they're, they're bad people, you know, like, they're pieces of shit. Um, But lately, you know, I've, like, I'm not sleeping, and uh, that depressed feeling's back, you know? Like, I know there's more to me than that. But maybe, I don't know it is not like that's a thing where you just try it a couple of times and you do it and the first time is kind of flat and the second time it gets a little bit better or third time gets a and by the way Henry Winkler had to leave I'm doing that whole thing to a c-stand because <laughs> Henry had to go so I'm doing the whole thing to a c-stand with a little mark on it and you're just trying to think of you know people go, oh are you thinking about this or that or whatever and you go you care about it. It's not like you. are I'm having a coffee and bullshitting with someone. It's like, oh, I gotta go do the scene. There's concentration, but it's not like, oh, on this line I'm gonna do this, and on this line I'm gonna do that. It's. It's more of a feeling, you know. You, like one of my best friends is this guy named Duffy Boudreau, and he writes on Barry. He wrote on Documentary Now with me and stuff, and he's a guy that when he gets nervous, he kind of holds his breath. And so, in a weird way, on like take four, I started just doing that. Like, oh, Duffy does this thing. Where, and then when I'm in the edit bay, we're watching, I go, ooh, oh, I like that. You know, and it's like, oh, this is good. This is now, it's it, this, something's happening. You know what I mean? So you, you just it's like work. You're just like fine tune it. But you have to
1: be instinctual. He told our students the best way to balance work as a performer, director, writer, producer is actually rather basic.
2: Try to just treat it like it's one job and you just go, well, this, I'm doing all these things. But if you think of it as all those things together, you could get really discouraged. So uh, to me, it's, and this is what worked for me, is just thinking like, oh, this is the idea. This is, okay, bury this story, this thing. I'm gonna try to do that. But it can be very, very overwhelming, you know? I saw Henry Winkler today, because he had to do a press thing, and he said, you know, you, you mouth your, like when I'm doing scenes with him, I'm mouthing his dialogue a lot of the time because I wrote it and, and Steven Root said the same thing that I'm always like, and it's, it's, that, that's annoying. But it's because in my head I'm going, okay, no, this works. Yeah, yeah, no, this, this works because then later we're doing this thing and then no, 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 this is good, this is good, you know. See, so yeah, you got to like back off of it and try to be in the moment. And, and honestly, I couldn't do any of this if it wasn't for Alec Berg having a good partner. I couldn't do any of it. I couldn't do it all by myself. I, would, I have to be able to go, that, that makes sense, right? And he goes, yeah. But he's a great sounding board in, in all of this. So yeah, if you can f- have someone, whether it's a good you know, a teacher or a friend, doesn't mean you have to be fully in business with them. But again, it's like I was saying earlier, that thing where you could show it to people and you know they'll be real with you,
1: you're gonna be good. His performance is even more impressive considering that unlike pretty much every other guest we've had, Bill Hader does not come from theater.
2: I have never really done theater. I did theater like in high school, but I mean, I did SNL, but that's not real theater. I think what they did, like real theater actors, like Sarah Goldberg who plays Sally, is a big Broadway actress. Like, I don't know how you do that. (laughs) I just don't, I don't know how you do it. I've gone to friends who've been in plays and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know how you do that. (laughs) And I think it's because I tend to gravitate towards things that are more behavior, like acting that's a little bit more like you're watching behavior and the theatrical stuff is just a different thing that I don't have the, you're having to project and play it a certain way that I just, I don't have that, I don't know how you do that. So I guess the answer is no, because I'm doing pretty well, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's good to have theater training. I wish, uh, honestly, I wish I did have that training, because when I'm around them, I feel like they're so much better I'm honestly like well-rounded actors, you know, Henry has theater training, Anthony Kerrigan who plays Noah Hank has theater training, you know, and uh, Stephen Root has theater training. So anytime I'm in scenes with them, you can feel it, you know, and you just go, oh man, I'm, you know, I say it all the time. You're only as good as the company that you're in. You're only as good as your fellow actors. Like if they're good, then that brings you up. And if you're good, then that brings them up, you know, so Yeah.
1: Part of his work in fine-tuning Barry has been laying out multiple seasons worth of storylines. It's no small feat, but he's been up to the challenge thanks to his time writing for our favorite foul-mouthed Colorado kids. I'm
0: going down south, I'm gonna have myself time.
1: Well, when we were writing it,
2: I had never done anything real long form, but I worked in the writer's room a bit on um, South Park. I worked on South Park for like 10 years wow. off and on, and I watched how those guys would put episodes together, and it was really helpful for me to understand how to, how to do that. But I think a thing that, we kind of have like little tentpole scenes. Like season one, we knew there was a part in episode seven, I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but there's a scene in episode seven, we knew, okay, we're headed there, right? So I don't know what we do, but we got a right to get to this. And then this new season, there was one of those that happens again in Episode 7 and another one in Episode 8 where you're kind of like, I start with a big whiteboard and I have, we have eight episodes and I put one through eight and then you're just kind of, I have a bunch of notes I've taken and I kind of just start dropping things places. And something that happened at the end of Episode 1 in the new season, I initially had in Episode 4. And I remember Alec going, shouldn't that happen? And at the end of the episode, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, you're right. Oh, once we put that there, now this goes to here. Oh, rad, right. okay, yeah, 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 this is working. But it takes forever. And then once you even have it, and you, I go home and I'm like high-fiving myself, like we got it, the next day or a week later, you're like, no, shit, okay, <laughs> this doesn't work, you know? And you're constantly, constantly working on it. But we never fully plan. We have like kind of vague ideas but the fun of it is kind of seeing where the where the characters kind of take it I mean that's that's really what you want to do is you want to just be listening to the characters and, and getting it out of the way and and the big thing I'm sure you guys have been taught this but it was beaten into me at South Park which is you if you guys heard the and 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 oh, yeah. that thing that was it's therefore therefore it, that is everything with berries that where we're constantly I mean, Alec Berg will say, it's all and, and, and right now, man. I'm like, I know. <laughs> and then I go, aha, oh, wait, what if he does this, then therefore this happens, and then that, oh, see, it's more causal if we do this, you know? And then, oh, cool. And then, it's another act, you know, you, you just have to be real malleable and, and know that the process is messy and that you're going to fail a lot in writing. I always come in kind of with a whole. Thing I kind of sit down with the writers and I'll go here's where I think this the season is and they go Okay, and it's kind of like saying like here's the house that I'm gonna build and the writers are like cool But wouldn't like a swing set be in the backyard and not the front yard, and you're like, oh, yeah That's a good idea. Okay, you know, and it's like wouldn't that that should be a door right and not a window, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, and you're you're kind of Piecing it together that way, but it should feel organic. It shouldn't be by the numbers. It can't be plot it should be character-driven. That was why I learned at South Park, and it was really crazy. It was Everything was driven by emotion. Everything on South Park's driven by emotion. Everything's like Cartman is feeling blank, so he wants this, and, and his emotion is something that can be relatable, right, or something. And serious, I mean, I worked on one episode, did you guys see Fish sticks with Kanye West? <laughs> yeah, where he's the fish sticks, and he gets, but that's about a guy not getting a joke you know (laughs) and so you know or or whatever it is and and so you know you're constantly it's, it's so much with emotion you know every time we're in the writers room we're always we're always going like you know I've had a feeling where like the thing with the laptop where it's like oh I had that happen where I got really embarrassed by this thing where I was trying to make a big overture to someone or like in episode six in season one, there's a scene where I'm trying not to hang out with Taylor anymore and I call him and I'm like, hey man, I don't think we should like, that was, I've had to fire a trainer and I fully ended up like hiring them for another like month because I just was too and I went into the writers room I was like and they go do you fire do you fire that guy and I was like no <laughs> and I was like I told them like hey man you're great you're this and blah 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 and then it was like okay what are we working on today? okay Barry a tailor I'm like oh I should just do that right you know because that's a thing I did you know and so I don't know it kind of
1: works Mr. Hader might not trust his instincts enough to fire an underperforming trainer but they've been right in guiding his career. He made choices that were not safe, but were very much right for him. Yeah, you
2: never, know. you got instinct. It's all instinct. It's like, what do you like? What, what draws you into a thing, you know? Like, I turned down a lot of, I don't do a lot of scripts because I get real, like, antsy. I don't and then you, you know, I read Skeleton Twins and just was like, yeah, you know, I've done jobs for money. I'm moving, you know, <laughs> I need any money. <laughs> but then there's a thing like big movies, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna do big movies. I'm in the sequel to It, the um, <laughs> Richie, Richie, oh my I'm the old grown-up Richie Tozier, the Finn character. And um, I heard that and they were like, hey, did you see It? I was like, yeah, I love that movie. And they're like, well, they're, I was like, yes. Is it, are you? Are they offering me a thing Because <laughs> uh, yes. They go, no, you gotta go meet with the director, dude. And I was like, oh, and I just went, I was like, I wanna do this, you know, because it was just like instinctually yeah, that would be Brad. That'd be what an experience, you know? And it was. It was so much fun. The movie's incredibly scary. <laughs> they showed me one scene from it and I wasn't in it and I was like, all right, all right, cool. <laughs> cool, man. I don't need an Andy Muschietti director. So he's like, yeah, pretty fucked up, huh man? He's <laughs> like, this is going to make people shit themselves, all right? <laughs> he calls me bleedo, bleedo, bleedo. up, huh? <laughs> don't you wish you were in that scene, man? I can't act scared, too. I'm always smiling. No when I get nervous, I smile a lot. So I'm like, oh, my God, Pennywise is here. No way. <laughs> hey, on man, you can't be smiling, man. Come on, man. Why are you smiling? You can't be smiling, man. You're going to die, man. The Clown, man. What the f-? This is all in a God mic, by the way. So it's just mean. come on, man. What are you doing? But instinct, that's the, the, I mean, just be instinctual. What do you like, you know, when you're watching? I mean, it it sounds reductive, but it it is like when you're at a bookstore and you're like, I want to read that, you know, or you're watching something, I'm going to watch this, this seems good, you know? Like, you don't question those things. You just instinctually are drawn to that. So if you're lucky, you can do that. But also, sometimes you got to take because you got to make some money.
1: (laughs) That's great advice. Trust yourself and your creative instincts that got you there. Though it might take time to figure these things out. I mean, after all, Rome wasn't built in a day and neither are most artists' careers. You don't
2: need to figure it all out this millisecond, you know, it takes time. I remember being like young and reading about like, Steven Spielberg made his first movie when he was 25 or when you put this weird pressure on yourself. That means nothing if you don't have any experience. And just relax and just do it. Just do it. Fail. That's the big thing. I was terrified of failing. I didn't want to fail. You fail, you you know, you screen a thing for people and they're like, yeah, man, that was a thing. (laughs) You know, and you go, well, what didn't work? That should be the question. What did you guys think didn't work about it? And take it and puff. You know, and I would just I would watch one cut of something I did and be like, well, I'm not showing this to anybody because I don't I'm I'm embarrassed. You have to fail, you have to learn from that, and keep doing it, and keep doing it, and just keep doing it. And then suddenly, that thing that was hard becomes a little easier. And then this new thing will become hard, and then that'll become a little easier. And so, I think that, that is like don't be afraid of failing. And I wish I would have stuck with certain things like writing, certain things or kept making things you know Barry is the first thing I ever like actually directed I directed all these short films but that pilot you saw that was like the the shot of Hank coming out going hey you must be Barry." that was the first thing like I'm a director on set like action (laughs) and I was (laughs) terrified but you just have to do it you have to just be like I'm gonna try this and it's all a process and it's all just a conversation it's all a process you're not gonna live and die by every Thing, you know? I wish someone had just told me when I was starting out and everything like that was just like fail and keep failing. And it's going to be okay if you keep failing to make it about the work because I so was like, it has to be perfect and it won't be. It won't be perfect for a while. But each one, it gets incrementally better. That means you're on the right track.
1: When Bill Hader tells you it's okay to fail, maybe it's okay to take some risks and fail enough and heck maybe one day you'll get nominated also for four Emmys in one year we want to thank Bill Hader for spending time with our students and thanks of course to all of you for listening this episode was based on the Q&A moderated by Toba Leiter to watch the full interview or to see our other Q&As check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash New York Film Academy this episode was written by me Eric Connor, edited and mixed by Christian Hayden Our creative director is David Andrew Nelson, who also produced this episode with Christian Hayden and myself. Executive produced by Toba Leiter, John Sherlock, and Dan Mackler. Special thanks to our events department, Saja Johnson, and the staff and crew who made this possible. To learn more about our programs, check us out at nyfa.edu. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. See you next time.
2: Watching Tom Cruise work on Tropic Thunder was pretty crazy. People forget I'm in that movie because I'm in scenes with Tom Cruise. No one's watching, no one's watching me. I'll be like, I was in Tropic Thunder, like, where? And I'm like, I'm like Tom Cruise's like right-hand man. They're like, he had a right-hand man there? I'm like, I know, I know. you're not watching me. I was on that movie for like five months and no one knows I'm in it because they're like, who were you in it? We remember, Bill. We remember.